Yeah, so the term in EOS is ownership. So what's helped us is certain people own certain tasks. We've, we've done the everybody trade to do everything and it ends up that nobody's really doing anything. Yeah, we assign multiple rocks in a quarter. So people get multiple rocks, but nobody can share a rock. Someone has to own it. And then if they need assistance from another department, it's their responsibility to assign what's called to-dos to get that part of the rock completed by whoever they're needing the help from. Welcome to Peer Talk, a dialogue with business owners just like you. Peer Talk conversations run the gamut of business challenges facing owners today. The host of Peer Talk is Dan Crowley, founder and owner of Peer Executive Group, which provides a safe space for owners to share their experience, grow their businesses, and learn from their peers. Hi, this is Dan Crowley. We have a number of great owners in our peer group network, just like you, and our job is to give them a voice. Welcome to Peer Talk. There are three primary reasons the teams I work with implement EOS, otherwise known as traction. Number one, they're in pain. Things aren't going like you would like and you're ready to do something about it. Number two, they want to get to the next level. You're doing fine, but there's an opportunity out there that you don't think you're ready for. And number three, a transition is evident or expected. You're ready to make a change for yourself and your family as it relates to the business. Want to know more? Please reach out to me, Matthew Todd, Certified EOS Implementer at 360-518-7718. Today we tackle the topic of dealership activity distribution versus rental and how you can have both work in your business. In addition to that, uh, we also talk about growth, whether it be organic or through acquisition and how you might manage that. And we can talk about both of those topics because today's guest is Avery Du Bois from Rental Guys. And Avery has, is a very young member, youngest member of our peer executive groups uh, network, but yet very active at the highest level of one of our largest customers. Avery Du Bois from Guy Rents, welcome. Welcome to Peer Talk. This is Dan Crowley. I am very excited to be here. We are uh, in the presence of our youngest peer group member, Avery Du Bois. Welcome, Avery. Morning, Dan. Thanks for having me on. So Avery is on the West Coast, so it is morning there. I'm I'm in the mid-afternoon, already had my cheesesteak for the day out of Philly here. Um, so Avery has been a member, believe it or not, even though he is the youngest member, he has been a member for a couple years now and uh, has really done some amazing things with his company, Rental Guys, on the West Coast. So Avery, why don't you tell us a bit about yourself and your path to rental? Sure. So I'm currently the vice president of Rental Guys, and uh, I've really been in the industry since before I was born, I like to tell people. My grandpa was in the rental business. My dad has run the company since before I was born. So it's really been more of a, a lifestyle than a career choice for me. I've always been around the rental business. Um, as a kid, ages four through eight or so, I used to walk around the yard and pick up nails and screws off the scissor lifts that come back in from contractors and sweep the mechanics bay and wash equipment. And then about nine years old, I moved into the counter and started to dabble in point of rental a little bit and learn how to use the computer system. Um, the first legitimate I, role I had really was my the summer of my freshman year in high school. My dad had come to me with the idea that if I learned how to run the counter and answer the phone on the weekend. Uh, he'd give me a certain amount of money for spending money during high school, which 
any high school guy is well into having spending money. So that was a, a big plus for me. So I learned how to do that. And I did that all the way through high school uh, for a couple of years, Saturday and Sunday. We used to be open seven days a week. So I got some good experience there. And then um, during the summers, I would work full time doing odd jobs and things like that, working on the counter and in the yard. And then it wasn't until the summer of 2018, where I really had my first legitimate role. I, I started doing outside sales and getting in front of customers and trying to build rapport and all the things that are entails. Wow, that, that, that must have been something. I think, what's that, like a 19-year-old coming to visit me to sell me a piece of equipment? I'm a, <laughs> yeah, love that. 18 or 19. And I, I would say that I had a leg up already because we were established in 1959. So when you walk in with rental guys, or a lot of people know it as Guy Rents still because we changed mm -hmm. our name, but... Um, it got in a lot of doors that would have been a lot harder for other salespeople, but it was, it was still interesting. A lot of people thought I was much older than I really was. Um, so that, that was a really great experience. Um, I did that. And then in November of 2018, I don't know if you're familiar, Dan, but, uh, we had a big forest fire over here called the campfire. It's oh, yes. Yeah. Outside Chico or right. Yeah. It was in paradise which is about 30 minutes from Chico. We actually have a satellite store there. Uh, it's the largest wildfire in the United States history with the most casualties. Wow, that's um, so horrible. It, it was pretty serious. We had about 11 employees that lost everything. Wow. In that fire. So when that happened, it really changed the dynamics of the local economy and the local business landscape. A lot of companies their facility burned down and they went out of business and had to close. And um, we were having uh, some challenges, let's just say here on the, in the Chico location and mixed that with a bunch of people leaving. Um, that's how I came into the business full time in January of 2019. I was still going to school and I really, really didn't like it at all. <laughs> I had actually asked my dad to let me join the business a year prior, but this time he agreed and I quit going to school and started working full time and I've never looked back. Wow. And the rest is history. So tell us about, tell us about rental guys. Um, you told us a little bit about the past, um, but it's a pretty significant operation. I know I've been active since 2016 and uh, you've grown so much even since then. Why don't you tell us a little about rental guys? Sure. So our company was started in 1959 by a man named Guy Chadburn and his wife, Harriet. He was a contractor here in Chico uh, that just got into the rental business like a lot of them start that way uh, in the late 60s or early 70s. I don't remember when specifically he passed away. And at the time, my grandfather, Bob, was the Bobcat salesperson out of Sacramento, and he was actually calling on Guy Rents to sell them uh, Bobcat products. And one time the widow Harriet had mentioned that she was interested in selling the business and no longer being in the rental business. And he thought to himself, I can wrench and I can sell. I, I, th I think I can be successful at this. So he decided to move uh, himself and his family from Rockland to Chico to take over rental guys and buy it from her. Uh, he did that. And I believe in 1973 spring of 1973 was when the deal was final and, he took over um, and he ran the business until 1996 
1996 U.S. Rentals was acquired by United. A lot of people will be familiar with that. Um, they built a new store here in Chico across town. And it was really the first time that we had had any legitimate competition in the area, aside from a couple lawnmower shops and things like that. And the business was pretty well known for having old rundown equipment. And there was a, a decision that had to be made. Either someone needed to take it seriously and make some changes and and uh, work on improving it, or it was time to sell and move on and do something different. My dad had been going to college at Chico State, and one day he was working here and talked to my grandpa and said, you know, I think I can I can run this and, and make it successful, and um, that's what happened. He took over in, uh, I believe it was January of 1996, and he's been running it for the past 25 years plus and has grown it to what it is now. Uh, in 2002, we opened our second location in Anderson, which later got moved to Reading. And then over the past 13 years, we have added nine more locations, most notably uh, two locations this year, one in Reno and one in Carson City, Nevada. So you, so you have 11 locations at this point? 11 locations. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, I think I remember when you were at three to five or something like that. But uh, wow, that's that's incredible. So do so. Today's topic is really focused around uh, dealer activity or distribution versus rental, and obviously we'll touch on service and parts and things like that going on. Uh, this is not going to be a a total focus on equipment distribution and the profit centers. But that being said, we see a number of rental operations that have picked up on the distribution side to supplement. Rentals. So, a um, little bit on that. Um, why don't you share with us, you know, how that looks? If I'm looking at you on a map with 11 locations, where where's your dealer activity versus your rental? Is it in every store or? Sure. Yeah. So our dealer or our rental activity starts in Sacramento. We have a store in Orangevale, which is a suburb of Sacramento, and it goes all the way to the Oregon border. Our most most uh, northern store is Wairika. And then we've added the two locations in northern Nevada. Um, so our dealership activity doesn't start in Sacramento. It starts in Chico. And it works up to uh, uh, the APRs. We have dealerships in Chico, Redding, and Eureka. And we just added one in Grass Valley. So we have four total. Um, the protected APRs are Sacramento and northern Nevada. We're not allowed to sell yeah, yeah. all the equipment there. We're not the dealer. Um, okay. So there, there are challenges that come along with that, but um, there, there's rules in place to protect all the dealers from that, and you just have to know how to, how to abide by them and not overstep. So your dealer activity is with Bobcat, correct? That's your correct vendor, yeah, the Bob. manufacturer you represent. Okay, yeah. got it. And we represent um, all Doosan products except for. Doosan Heavy and Doosan Industrial Vehicle. So we have the portable power and uh, they make compaction equipment now and things like that. Got it. Okay. And so that's a good topic. So when when I consider a Bobcat dealer, uh, we have obviously a, a group of, of uh, Bobcat dealers in our peer groups. Um, I always think of their rental businesses as being predominantly Bobcat equipment for rent. 
what what how does yours differ what is your um you know your fleet landscape look like so we carry everything really we have all your lawn and garden tools for homeowners that's that's the roots of our business that's what how rental guys was started was helping out the homeowner or the diy enthusiast and we now we've expanded through all contractor products really we our largest boom lift is 135 feet 12k telehandlers so fairly large stuff uh bobcat excavators up to 35,000 pounds all the way down to the the e10 which is their smallest machine um, track loaders all sizes skid steers all sizes compaction equipment so really most things that the nationals carry other than we're not super big into the floor care or surface prep type of equipment yet it's not something we've gotten into um, something that's unique about us is we also do site services uh, we carry trench plates and fence panels uh, plastic water barriers and things like that excellent so it's a good indication of you know looking at your fleet and your inventory and then also who you cater to what markets you cater to so that's nice to hear that um so in in the case of a person like yourself and your father obviously alex you guys are sitting on top of this heap. You've got distribution activity to your left. You've got rental activity to your right. And your rental is pretty significant as it relates to, to dealer activity, right? Is it about, what, 30% of revenue or something? Um, I'm, I don't know the numbers off the top okay. of my head. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I do think it's significant. So from that perspective, how do you put on, do you, do you switch hats? Do you put on your dealer hat one minute? You put on your rental hat the next minute? How's that work? Um, that's, that's a good question. So I'm, I'm actually not involved on the dealership side at all. I focus all my attention and time on rentals and the dealership is my dad's responsibility. Um, he's recently hired a, a general manager over there to help him manage the, all the ins and outs of it better. Um, but I think that's part of our success is that there's people that focus on specific things. We use EOS in our business on the rental side and the Bobcat business is going to adapt it. Um, so just uh, just an understanding, EOS is Entrepreneurial Operating System? Yeah. yeah. And that's from the book Traction, I guess, by Gino Wickman, correct? Yes. Yep. Yes. Yeah, we have a number of members who are using that. Yeah, so the term in EOS is ownership. So what's helped us is certain people own certain tasks, and everybody doesn't try to do everything. Well, I like that. We've, we've done the everybody trade do everything and it ends up that nobody's really doing anything. <laughs> so, um, do you abide by that rule where only one person can have uh, one particular rock or project to work on instead of two people? Yeah. So we don't, yeah, we assign multiple rocks in a quarter mm -hmm. so quarterly meetings and assign rocks. So people get multiple rocks, but nobody can share a rock. Someone has to own it. And then if they need assistance from another department, it's their responsibility to assign what's called to-dos to get that part of the rock completed by whoever they're needing the help from. Oh, that's helpful. I, I always, uh, you know, we run EOS ourselves. We do uh, what are called L10 meetings each week. And, you know, the idea of to-dos have kind of been separated from the big rocks and the big issues. So now, now I feel like that comment you made helps me to to pull those two together so the to do can be died to uh if you have an expectation for someone 
to um, help you with a rock on some issue. Yeah. It's yeah, good. Definitely. Cool. So, so tell me about, so it's good that he has a GM now over there. Um, you have parts and service, obviously our other profit centers, correct? Correct. Now, do you, as part of the leadership team, do you guys ever meet to discuss all those elements? Like you're there representing rental and someone else is representing parts or service or anything like that. Does that ever happen? No, that, that doesn't happen. Our rental leadership team meetings are our divisions that we have in there. So we have a dispatch division, which manages our fleet of trucks and transportation, 90 day inspections and things like that, that we need to do to comply with DOT. Yeah. And then we have a, a service seat, which that person is in charge of overseeing all the maintenance and repairs to our rental fleet equipment. And then the sales seat, which I sit in, which manages our salespeople, and then the operation seat, which I also sit in currently, um, which we're, we're working on breaking that up a little bit and going to the regional manager model. We have one in place now, and we're looking to put a couple more in place. But anyway, I sit in that seat, and then we have a finance and HR seat, which our office manager sits in. And then Alex, my dad, is the visionary, and I'm the integrator. Got it. So uh, I love that about um, EOS is, uh, you know, somebody behaviorally is going to act in a visionary capacity and they're going to be thinking externally to, from the business and, you know, always dreaming up the big dreams. But ultimately, you need to get out of uh, the way as a visionary and have somebody as an integrator. So that's neat that you, they've got you in that seat. And uh, it does sound like just from the way you kind of rhythmically move through that leader team for rental that you guys must believe in accountability charts and things like that. And Yeah, absolutely. We have one and we're always working on it when you add and subtract location or continuously add and move people around from location to location. The accountability chart for me has really provided a lot of clarity on what the structure looks like and who to go to for what. And I think it, it trickles out through the organization that it, it makes their job easier to know that they report to this person on this person for this. And there's no more confusion. So let's do a pivot. Let's talk about growth, because, you know, one of the things that I think people that know your organization, they look at you and they kind of say, holy cow, what's going on over here? Um, you guys have obviously experienced quite a bit of sales growth on the rental side. So my, my question is, you know, obviously, so you're managing the rental side, you have organic growth, and then all of a sudden there's some acquisition that happens. And now you've kind of grown through acquisition. How do you like, how are you managing all that, you know, from a metric standpoint, or, you know, how do, do you look at data um, organically? And then you say, but here's also the data with acquisitions this is what our numbers are yeah we i do do that and alex says that as well uh it can be challenging to determine whether or not you're you're how much you're growing with the, what you already had and what you're growing with the acquisition i like both because it, yeah. it, it it fuels everything and and provides more fleet it provides availability uh, in an acquisition, you also acquire the customer base that that business previously had that otherwise maybe wouldn't abuse you because they had that relationship. Um, so there's a lot of things that go into an acquisition. 
I use Rouse Analytics to analyze data. It breaks down rental revenue, branch locations, and things like that. Um, we have all kinds of other things that we look at that are KPIs on our scorecard. I was going to say, that seems to be one of the nice things about doing an EOS implementation is you, you have to, at some point, commit to metrics and looking yeah. at KPIs. So that's that's great. And and for you, as an ex, like obviously, your numbers have changed over the last three years. We can share information from the peer group perspective and say, hey, everybody, did you know that from September last year to September this year, rental has increased 16% in our network, which is a true statement. But then you look at, um, you know, the question of, well, we have probably 10% of those operators are acquiring additional locations. So are we talking about organically growing 16% or are we saying their operation has grown, uh, you know, and, and offset that, but, but it is the median number It's the middle person that's reporting. So we do feel pretty good about that number, but in your case, um, Tell us a little bit about what you look for on your metrics and KPIs. What are some of the things you like? On our scorecard for EOS? Yeah. Uh, one of the metrics that we have that I love, that I obsess over, is physical utilization. Gotcha. It, it drives every single department. It can't be utilized if it's broken. It can't be utilized if it's off rent. And it can't be utilized if it's in the yard. So it incentivizes all departments. Um, that's my favorite. We use a metric called fleet on rent. So we have a, a gross number of how much of our fleet is actually out on rent and gives you perspective over kind of where we are. Uh, open contracts per day we look at, uh, IROs, sales, of course. Mm -hmm. Those are the main ones that are most important to get a feel on really how the business is performing, in my opinion. Excellent. Well, I'm sure anybody listening to this podcast was probably hitting the pause button and writing down each thing that you're saying there. So uh, we'll allow you to do that at this time, everyone. No, just kidding. All right. So let's talk about dealer activity, distribution. And again, this is probably you as an outsider looking into your own organization, but um, clearly you're aware of changes that are happening uh, on the service and part side what what are some of the challenges on a distribution dealer model? And then again, what are some? How do you see the future of rental for uh, you know in general? Oh well, everybody's dealing with the same issues right now with the supply chain being what it is. So mm -hmm. it's it's hard to advance your business and continue to grow when you're not able to receive the the parts, the service, and the the assets that you need in order to do it. So the future yep. is. It's tough to predict right now. Um, I know each company is handling it a little bit different. Bobcat has their own plan in place on how they plan to, to make it better for everyone. Um, as far as rental goes, I would say continuing to use relationships that you've had established for a long time and using some of the, the goodwill you have built up really with certain vendors to get what you need as fast as possible and get the service that you, your business requires. For us, we're really lucky that we have a dozen plus really, really great vendors and great people that work there, uh, service people, sales people, relationships built up at the district level. Mm -hmm. It's been established for a long time and they've, they've all done a great job of taking care of us and 
doing the best they can, finding machines on the ground around the country for demos and things like that so we can get fleet in and uh, working with us on parts and service. Good points, good points. And then with, um, so you're, uh, what is your headcount right now for total employees? The rental side, we have 85, I believe. Wow. Bobcat, I believe, has 12 or 14. Okay, excellent. So the challenge may for you with regard to employees may reside around service and mechanics and continuing to have that be a strong department, correct? Yeah, definitely. Finding uh, people that you can rely on and do really quality work is increasingly difficult as everybody is well aware. Uh, I think that we're lucky in the sense that we have a really good team in place and we're not looking for too much. We're looking for uh, a piece here and there, or a person here and there to to fit into the organization and, and fill a hole. But we're the centerpieces in our organization and the, the core, if you will, that makes us successful is here and uh, we believe in everybody that we have on board. So I, I think we're very, very grateful and very, very lucky to be in that position as opposed to trying to fill huge roles and huge holes in the organization. Yeah, that's amazing. So closing in on 100 employees, 11 locations, obviously we look for more growth in the future. I'm sure you've got an appetite for some additional growth. Um, we're excited to hear about that. We'll have to get together a year from now and, and see, uh, see what the landscape has brought for uh, rental guys. But um, we appreciate you inside peer groups and, again, all your participation in our summits. We have a CFO summit and HR summit coming up, and we're looking forward to seeing you there. And uh, everyone, our, so our guest today, Avery Bois from Rental Guys. Thanks for being here, Avery. Thanks, Dan. There are three primary reasons the teams I work with implement EOS, otherwise known as traction. Number one, they're in pain. Things aren't going like you would like and you're ready to do something about it. Number two, they want to get to the next level. You're doing fine, but there's an opportunity out there that you don't think you're ready for. And number three, a transition is evident or expected. You're ready to make a change for yourself and your family as it relates to the business. Want to know more? Please reach out to me, Matthew Todd, Certified EOS Implementer at 360-518-7718. You've been listening to Peer Talk from Peer Executive Groups, produced and directed by Noah Crowley and hosted by Dan Crowley. Subscribe to this podcast for notifications of future episodes of Peer Talk.